0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. Welcome to Industry Focus,
1: the podcast
0: that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day.
1: I'm your host, Emily Flippin.
0: I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today, we're talking financials.
1: Today, we're talking
0: consumer goods. Wild Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today, we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, January 13th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. Joining me this week on our financial show, we're going to talk a little real estate today, folks. We're going to get 2020 kicked off Uh, talking a little bit about real estate and what uh, one of our real estate experts here sees on the horizon. When I say real estate expert, you know I'm talking about Matt Argersinger. Matty, thanks for being here today. Thanks,
1: Jason. It's been a while. It
0: has been a while, but that's for good reason, right? I mean, you're out there working a little bit of a different angle here with The Motley Fool now, no longer my stock guy partner in crime. I mean, you've been you've been at it with millionacres.com and,
1: and our uh, premium service there, Mogul. Uh, right. For I guess the better
0: part of a year now.
1: Right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a different beat. I, I've always loved real estate. I've been a real estate investor for a long time. Uh, it's been a big part of you know how I invest. And so I was thrilled and excited when we had the opportunity to launch our own real estate brand here at the Motley Fool. We're just getting it going. Uh, and we have a premium service called Mogul that Jason just mentioned, which is is doing way beyond our expectations in terms of in- member interest and excitement. So. All good things. Glad we're finally exploring a different asset class here. Yeah, at well, Ford. I mean, I, I've I've
0: been really excited to be even just a little part of watching how you have built this out. Um, joining you for a couple of, of the the marketing campaigns along the way, and I mean, we, we we had that that day we spent down at Nobu in Washington D.C. Uh, you know, those are the types of investments that you're hunting out and finding, and you know, it's it's not. Conventional, probably for most of the folks out there familiar with our motley fool universe. I mean, we're, we're generally stock heavy, um, but but bringing this new asset class to to really, I think, a, a base of investors that was hungry for it. Yeah, you know, I think that the results don't surprise me at all. That people have been so interested in it, and that you've been doing so well because I've watched you. You know, hone those real estate shops for the years and we got the right guy for the job, I think.
1: Oh, I appreciate that Jason. yeah, we we were sat down at Nobu and for those who don't know, it's that famous Japanese restaurant. They have a nice restaurant downtown DC. and Nobu happened to be one of our recommendations. So we were sitting in the restaurant that a lot of our investors actually own equity in, which is an amazing thing. And it really speaks to where we are with real estate investing. It, what we just talked about wasn't even possible five years ago. But the jobs act the rise of crowdfunding which i know we're going to talk about it's enabled individual investors to really invest in real estate for the first time um, and it's incredible i feel like i've said this before i feel like we're kind of in the early to mid 90s uh, stage of real estate you know if we go back to stocks um that was kind of the rise of the of the internet discount brokers a lot of ind- individual investors for the first time were able to really buy stocks buy and sell stocks very cheaply and easily and we're kind of almost at that stage with real estate. Yeah, that's. I, I'm glad you said that because that's that's sort of the feeling I've gathered. And and,
0: and you know, you, you mentioned crowdsourcing, and so I thought it'd be a fun way to kick off the discussion today would be just to take a question that I recently fielded from someone on Twitter. Um, and you got to love this handle. It's from at Drunk Themis on Twitter. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at Drunk Themis asked me um, personally asked what my thoughts uh, were on Crowd Street. And so, CrowdStreet is not something I've ever used, but from what I I could see, it essentially is in in that crowdsourcing real estate uh, space, which is very similar to what you are doing with Mogul. Um, so, so you talk about the last year in, in what you've been able to do in building the service. What are, what are the? It, it feels like at least the implications of crowdsourcing in real estate have.
1: On the whole, been really positive. Absolutely, and I, I love the question from Drunk Famous. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, crowdfunding is what we do in in mogul. It's what we're tapping into. So CrowdStreet, we were we're big fans of CrowdStreet. We sourced a lot of our deals from CrowdStreet. They're kind of the leader in this real estate crowdfunding space that we're talking about. And you know what they're doing over in in CrowdStreet and other portals. There's Real Crowd. Realty mogul, uh, fun, a lot of our listeners, your listeners, might have heard of Fundrise, which is a, a big brand in this space as well. Uh, these platforms or portals are raising capital for real estate investments, and so real estate developers and sponsors go to these portals, list their properties, and try to raise capital. Uh, and that's really been a game changer. It's it's because of regulation changes, because of technology. And so, CrowdStreet happens to be a leader in the space that we've tapped into to enable our investors in Mogul and Million Acres to invest in a lot of very interesting deals, and it's only getting bigger. I mean, the the, yeah. the number of crowdfunding portals out there for real estate and and private business in general is just exploding, and, and the universe of deals because developers are getting more comfortable. You know, in the, in the past, if a developer tried to raise money for a new development or to recapitalize an existing property. Uh, you know, they'd go to the, they'd tap into the institutional capital, their networks. They'd go to the, the country clubs and tap into the wealthy investors there. But now they're realizing, wow, there's a huge individual investor base out there that is hungry to invest in real estate, and we can now we can do it cheaply, and effectively, efficiently. And so they're going out, and so you're going to be able to, and we'll talk about a couple of deals. We talked about Nobu, we'll talk about a few more. But the the opportunity, the universe of deals out there is only getting bigger. So it's getting more and more exciting. I mean, you can at your laptop. If you want, these days you can invest in an office building in Chicago, a an industrial building in outside Miami, Florida, if you like. I mean, the the opportunities are just
0: um, huge. Well, in breaking down one of the biggest barriers to real estate investment, which is capital, right? I mean, it just traditionally has been prohibitive for most retail investors, simply because it requires a lot of capital, and we didn't have that. That buying a share of real estate, so to speak, at least not not it wasn't as accessible as it is today. So then it it feels like at least that just continues to create more demand uh, for people looking to invest in that space, and ultimately over time, that demand creation in theory should continue to keep. Those those prices going in the right yeah. direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned, yeah, I mean, in the in the past, you'd really have to be a very wealthy investor and have to be ready to put two hundred fifty thousand or five hundred thousand dollars to work in a single deal. Now the investment minimums are down at fifty thousand, twenty five thousand, even ten thousand in certain cases. Wow. So it's much more accessible now. In a lot of cases, you still have to be an accredited investor. Sure, um, but that's changing as well. I mean, if you go to Fundrise, for example you can find deals private real estate deals that are for non-accredited investors and so and it's just uh it's it's really exciting
0: for the cost of closing on a home you too can now own a share of Nobu that's right <laughs> i like
1: that was perfectly put yes
0: sir well hey let's talk about um then particular themes because you know we're, we're right here at, at the beginning of 2020 and you know real estate is always a fascinating space there's so many different ways to invest it. Are there is there a particular theme you think is is shaping up here for 2020 you feel like this is going to be the year for the healthcare REIT, or do you feel like this is the year for restaurants? I mean, what 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 themes out there are shaping up for you that you're
1: really excited about? Yeah, two themes in particular that I think about in 2020 and that we're going to be taking advantage of in, in Mogul and Million Acres is just, um, I think retail is an interesting space right now. We think of retail as just being this Downtrodden, you know, terrible place to have put investment dollars, especially in real estate, and and that's that's true. I it's mean, in the middle of a massive disruption. It, it is. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and and so well, I think we all know that in the United States, in particular, we just had too too much retail square footage yeah. everywhere. Too many malls, too many shopping centers. Um, so much more, you know, square footage than we really needed, given the number of consumers and dollars that were out there for spending, and so. Um, the, the the space has been decimated. You've seen retail stores close. We saw the news from Pier One Imports yesterday that they're closing half no, their stores, that, yeah. and that's 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 just going to continue. But what it's created now is that you have what I think are tremendous values now arising in the space. To give you an example, the average cap rate nationwide cap rate for retail real estate. Um, essentially, I'm going to throw this number out. The higher the number. Generally, the cheaper the asset is. Well, in the retail space today, you can find deals um, that have cap rates between seven and nine percent. Generally, that's pretty that's pretty value. Right. Um, just for a comparison, a really quality office space or a really quality um, multifamily apartment building, or you know, say a Starbucks in the city, you're looking at cap rates at three, four, five percent. Wow! And now you can go to retail and find cap rates in the seven to nine percent. Right? So. I, I'm starting to see value in the retail space. I think there's going to be um, ways to take advantage of that space. Um, a couple, I'll just throw out a couple ideas. Ones that we've recommended in in Mogul so far. Uh, one is called uh, Seritage Growth Properties, um, SRG. This is. Uh, Formerly a Sears Kmart, you know, company that they've spun this out. It's really focused on kind of reshaping those spaces and making them, uh, you know, more service-oriented retail spots, more experience-related spaces. Yeah, uh, you know, that is one where I think uh, you can take advantage of some of the shift we're seeing for, you know. If you think about it, the customer today, we're not spending so much on things. We're not going out there. We can get things on Amazon or wherever, or Walmart, but we're going out for services. Or we're going, yeah. you know, we're going out to eat, or we're going to get our hair and nails done, or we're going out <laughs> for experiences, like we're going to go to the movie theater or to places like Top Golf and things like that. And, and so that, that experience
0: is far less commoditized, right? Okay. I mean, it is more unique in most
1: cases. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think that area of retail is very interesting to me. The other area that um, in retail, that's also compelling to me is um, there's an idea there's a company called Store Capital which we've also mm-hmm. recommended. Um, Warren Buffett happens to be a, a big owner of Store Capital. Heard of him. And yeah, he's done pretty well. <laughs> uh, they they specialize in sort of these single tenant triple lease triple net lease properties. Think of your like Wawa, you know, yeah g- gas service mm-hmm. stations um, or you know your your Home Depots of the world where there's a single tenant, single asset where there's just a lot of demand um, consistent. You know, driven demand to those properties, and so um, that's another idea where, where I think you can take advantage of. Uh, so I like the retail space, and one one sort of sub retail real estate sector I'll throw out really quickly is the rise of student housing, privatized student oh, housing. wow, interesting. So if you think about it, the universities um, are you know kind of not really interested in being in the room of board business. Yeah, it's costly. It's costly for students. It's expensive. It's it creates a lot of headaches. It distracts from. The, what the university is trying to do, which is just be run a university. And so, you're seeing this trend towards privatization of student housing, particularly with big universities. Think about University of Texas, University of California, Berkeley, University of Florida, where there's tens of thousands of students. Uh, and you know, you're talking about tens of thousands of rooms and dormitories that need to be managed. And so, uh, American Campus Communities, um, ticker ACC, is a company. It's the leader in kind of the private student housing space. ACC. A, I mean, that's wow. like
0: how that, that's like the best ticker ever for what <laughs> <That's>, they're doing. <laughs> I think that's right? totally right. Uh,
1: <laughs> great track record, great management team, and you know, pays a nice four percent dividend yield. But you've got a lot of growth built into that. That's a big trend that's only going to continue to get larger.
0: That's terrific. You know, I haven't thought about it. I Was down at Wofford, my alma mater, recently. I saw they were building some new housing on campus, and it's a small school, but housing was always a bit of a challenge, just because it is. And I mean, I think. To your point, it's totally outside of their scope of what they're really trying to do. That seems like just sort of a a hassle to have to deal with. So rather than deal with it, bring in some expertise, let them take care of that problem for you. I mean, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, in most cases, we're seeing the apartment rents that students are paying are much lower than what they would pay for for university housing, and the university benefits from getting a master lease agreement with the private student housing owner. They don't have to worry about, you know, insuring the property and paying the taxes and doing all the maintenance and things like that. Yeah. It's all outsourced. And so they just get a nice rental check, for, you know, from the from the landlord and then the landlord then rents the students at a much lower price. That's it's kind of strange. a win-win for both uh, – for both clients, for sure.
0: You mentioned Top Golf there. I don't know. Did you see the news? Sounds like Top Golf's going to go public. I did notice that getting so. uh, getting their IPO roots there set, and uh, so that could be an interesting strike, one. With, strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> literally, yeah, absolutely, good <laughs> one. All right. Well, hey, listen. So, the president of the United States gets. To uh, offer up the state of the union, right every year, right? That's give right. us the state of the union. You offer up the state of the industry, your state of the union uh, in, in your weekly commentary in, in Mogul and with Million Acres. So, give us, uh, give us your current state of the industry, Maddie. What's that's, going on? Well,
1: that's right. And, and with real estate, the state of the industry is, I think, you always have to go with the location, right? Yeah. It, it, real, real estate is such a location based asset, uh, and so there are places in the United States that are doing pretty well. Um, I would say, if you look at places like the Southeast, for example, um, especially what I would call secondary cities, not to disparage cities, but secondary cities, I'm thinking like your Raleigh's, um, your Charlotte's, um, even Atlanta, Georgia, um, Jacksonville, Florida, for example. Lot of population, a lot of income flows going to these cities. Why? Because generally they're trending away from larger, more expensive cities in the Northeast. Um, you know, and they're going places where taxes are lower, where jobs are plentiful. And so, when I think about where the big, you know, the big capital is, where the big investment opportunities are with real estate, I'm looking at uh, those kind of places. Um, Texas is a great example. Nashville Tennessee is another great yeah. example. It's just where people people and jobs are flowing. and and I like I like to say re- real estate follows people and money, and those tend to be the places where um, people are going and they're taking their incomes with them. Uh, and you know, cities like New York, uh, Chicago are seeing kind of an outflow. They're seeing the opposite. La, of the La yeah, example. And sure. in, in, in affordability has a big, re, you know, is a big driver of that as well. It's just so expensive, not not, not just for people to live, but corporations to do business in these big cities. Yeah. And so they're continually finding cheaper, um, better pastures elsewhere. And so, like those, I think that I think will continue to be a theme. Um, the industrial side of real estate. Uh, which has just exploded in recent years. I also think that's going to continue to be a really uh, big place of investment. if you think about distribution centers, warehouses, even small manufacturing facilities. We've got this e-commerce world we live in right now. So you know properties that industrial properties that are, say, within ten miles of major city centers or near transportation hubs, another really good place to invest. And so stepping back a little bit overall, real estate's doing fine. I think the in most markets, Demand and supply are kind of meeting, and there's a nice balance. Vacancy rates are are relatively stable, um, you know. And, and like you, or I'm sure like a lot of us, you know, it's it's hard right now to see any sort of major downturn on the horizon. You know, the economy seems strong. Yeah, interest rates are low, um, relatively stable, and so I think real estate's a good place to be. Just like I think stocks are a good place to be, sure. of course, for the long term. And and we take the same approach in, in mogul million acres where. Long-term real estate investors. You know, we're not we're not flipping properties. We're not watching HGTV. You know, we are we're looking for opportunities where we can put capital to work for three, four, five years, hopefully longer. And we get a lot of
0: HGTV in my house, Matty. I'm not gonna lie.
1: I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's on a lot of my house as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. So,
0: <laughs> well, you you've tossed out a lot of really great names that I think are available to um, investors looking for for you know options in the public markets there. But in your service, I mean, you you recommend and invest in a lot of private commercial real estate deals. I mean, any highlights in in that. Area that you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Sure. Well, we we mentioned Nobu. Uh, I'll mention a, a couple more. Actually, we we just um, a few weeks ago invested in a uh, an interesting opportunity right in our backyard here in uh, in Alexandria. There was a office building, um, roughly five minutes from Full HQ here, and there the the developer is going to convert that office building into a multi family apartment building, and uh, you know so that's going to require a lot of money and capital, but um, it's going to really bring more, much-needed more apartment units to this region. I mean, you you know that Amazon HQ2 is ramping up. They're they're building some major buildings over in Crystal City, which is just a short short drive from here. And that's going to just really create a lot of demand in the area. Of course, here in Northern Virginia, there's also a big military and federal government, you know, Centered uh, tenant base who are always in need of apartments, and so that's an interesting opportunity. It's going to um, hopefully pay us about a fifteen percent annual return. It also happens to be in an opportunity zone, ah, yes. so you can take advantage of some really nice tax benefits uh, as well by investing in that property. And then one more that we just closed on yesterday um, for anyone, any listeners who live in Florida or may have visited Jacksonville, uh, the Wells Fargo Center, which is kind of the iconic building um, in that in that city skyline. That just came for sale, and so we invested in that as well. Oh, wow. The developer is going to um, kind of redevelop some of the common spaces, lease up some of the vacant spots. um, Hopefully, re-sign Wells Fargo, which whose lease is coming up in a few years. Um, They're the biggest tenant, one of the biggest tenants in the building, Um, and really excited about that opportunity to own just a landmark building in an amazing location, right in downtown Jacksonville, uh, right, uh, kind of right on the St. Johns River there. And and Jacksonville, you know, many of you know, many listeners probably just have never been there. or Thought of Jacksonville as an interesting place, but it's actually. Uh, one of the fastest-growing cities in the country. The population has grown 15% over the last decade, uh, and it's a place where a lot of businesses are are moving as well. So, really excited about that opportunity as well. And and again, all these opportunities I'm throwing out just weren't even possible for individual investors as little as five years ago, and now they're possible, and we're recommending them right in Mogul. Good stuff.
0: Before we continue, I'd like to remind our listeners, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. It's 2020, people. If you're still looking for a New Year's resolution, well, here's one for you. Stop breathing contaminated air. Molecule's technology has been verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule gives allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience, and its breakthrough Pico Technology, across a range of products, provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. No matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space, whether that be the Molecule Air for large rooms or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. You're probably thinking, air purification, okay, what's changed? Well, Maddie, a lot has changed. The HEPA filter technology that's been used to clean your air was developed in the 1940s. Wow. I mean, that's like, you know, a lot of years ago. A long time ago. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Molecule has created a new filtration system that actually destroys pollutants on a molecular level. A molecular level. Molecule is easy to use and has a clean, sleek, and modern design that fits in any room of your home. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit molekule.com com and enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and promo code FOOL10. Sounds like the apple of air purifiers. It does, doesn't it? I might have to look into getting one of those for our house. Okay, uh, Listen, real estate, I think, is one of those areas of investment that probably scares a lot of people away for a number of reasons. I mean, we've talked about the prohibitive nature on the capital side, right? I mean, if you've been through the closing of a home purchase, Mm. or even inquired about a loan for a home, then you see your fair share of esoteric language and you're trying to make sense of what means what it's just not the easiest thing to navigate and and you know what we've stood or, uh, stood for here at the Motley Fool for a long time is trying to make this this Ununderstandable world of investing. Understandable, right? Demystifying it, whether it's the stock market or real estate. So it does seem to me that like there's this divide between understanding private versus commercial real estate investment. I've worked in both a little bit, and I've seen the differences there. And and, and obviously, I mean, you're you're focusing very very much on the commercial side. Uh, But I mean, do you feel like there are clear benefits in, in investing in one versus the other, or? Do you feel like there's there's a more diversified approach that makes sense for investors?
1: Well, I I think I like all real estate, and, and so whether it is your your private home or whether it's you know a private commercial property or whether you're doing you're investing in a REIT, and they're they're all so different. Uh, so my focus has been on the private commercial side, and you know what I'm looking at here is I'm t- I'm tending to look at single asset, s- single tenant or multi tenant properties. And so when you do that, you know, you're going away from the world of REITs, which, you know, your average REIT can have dozens, if not hundreds of properties in its portfolio. Yeah. And so then it becomes much more analysis of the, the management team, their track record, the overall asset class they're in. With, with my work, what I'm looking at is when I'm looking at a single property is, OK, you know, does the tenant role look like? Um, you know, how strong is the tenant base? You know, what's the weighted average lease term? Of the tenants in the building. And so generally, the longer the better, right? You you want good paying tenants there for as long as possible, and hopefully they read, you know, they sign new leases, they extend their leases. Um, I'm looking at capitalization rate, cap rate, which I mentioned earlier, which is a quick way to gauge, you know, you know how pricey the property is. Uh, I'm looking at net operating income, just like we look. We'd look at you know in net income or operating profits at a at a public corporation. Net operating income is simply you know the rent revenue or any kind of revenue the property takes in. Um, you take out all the expenses um, to maintain the property, and that's generally your NOI. Uh, so these are just. It, it is very. It's similar to equity analysis in a lot of ways, but there are some. There, there are some different metrics that you tend to look at, uh, and you have to really dig deep into a property's history, um, tenant quality, and you know developer track record, things like that, and uh, you know to make decisions. And so it's been from you know past decade, it's been a learning process for me, um, but it's something that's becoming I think going to become a lot more obtainable as we explore the asset class more. Individual individual investors get into it, uh, and you know I'm I'm excited. We we do a lot of teaching, and if you go to millionacres.com, We've got plenty of articles there that kind of go into some of the basics of commercial real estate investing. Um, So, I encourage anyone listening who wants to learn more, go to millionacres.com. And then, of course, if you'd like, we have our mogul service, which is our premium service, where we have a whole Real Estate 101 um, education section that we built out that kind of goes in and teaches you how to analyze uh, commercial real estate. It's pretty exciting stuff. So. Again, like you, like you said, the fool. It's it's really about demystifying uh, these things, these concepts, and, and educating. You sure. know, we love giving great investment advice, throwing out ideas, but ultimately, we're trying to teach people how to be better investors. And yeah. so, that's exactly what we're trying to do with real estate over the, a million acres. You mentioned something that
0: just just prompted this question in my mind. Because you and I, I mean, to be clear, you and I both have histories as as landlords. I mean, we've we've done that landlords. You may still be doing it, I'm not sure. I am still doing it. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> we do, I did it for about seven or eight years, and I thought, you know what, that worked out well, but I, I think I've washed my hands of it. I'm not sure I want to do it again, but who knows? I mean, I'm still a relatively young guy, so maybe yeah. something else comes up. But yeah, one thing I found, and I'm sure you would agree, is tenant quality Ugh. is so important. I mean, it's one thing to try to price your real estate right and get you know, get your properties filled. But if you're getting your property filled with crappy tenants. Oh, it's then that's that's like that's like short-term investing. That's like trading, right? You're sacrificing the potential long-term gain to fill like this short-term void. Bad tenants can be, can be really problematic down the line. And I mean I just I wonder, do you have any way, either, I mean, maybe not personally, but within the service or the way you look at some of these real estate deals that you're doing, do you have access at least to to be able to try to assess tenant quality at all, or is that something you've got to kind of you got to kind of go with what they're
1: telling you. Well, it it gets a little tricky if you're looking at um, smaller properties where there's a very obscure tenant. Maybe it's a small business right. or, you know, um, it, it gets easier if you're looking at, say, an apartment building where you know, like, you know, the history of the apartment. You know, say it's got 100 apartment units in it and it's got an 85% occupancy rate, you know, and and you know that obviously some tenants are not going to be great, but generally the building might have a good track record. It's easier. Uh, and then you're hoping, like, with if you're looking at office buildings, maybe large office buildings, you can see, you know, some some tenants like Wells Fargo, like I mentioned. Well, obviously, it's easy to know that Wells Fargo is a credit quality tenant; sure. they're probably going to pay their rent, and probably pay <laughs> yeah. it on time, you know. Uh, so that get, that could, that gets easier. But there are data resu- resources out there that we use. Um, REIS is one, JLL that provide really good in depth tenant information that you can dig into and kind of look at their the credit history, rental history. Uh, and so you just you know, like anything though, investments are leaps of faith. There's sure. no there's no you know, if the economy goes bad or if the, a particular tenant runs into trouble and they stop paying their rent, well then you've got a problem. Stuff then you've got happens. vacant space and you've got to you know do your best to rele- release that space as, so- as soon as you can to hopefully market rate rents it can be difficult. Uh, so there are challenges, and but you you absolutely nailed it. Tenant quality. Um, whether you're your own landlord like we've been, <laughs> or you're looking at a you know a large office building, it's 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 critical work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, well, listen, I don't want to take up too too much of your time, but y- you know we are we are an investing show. We're we're stock guys. You're still a stock guy, man. <laughs> you are I, I, um, I, in my heart. <laughs> let's give our listeners something that you. Are watching in 2020, some ideas out there that you're gonna be giving a close eye, that you're giving a little extra attention, you think maybe have some potential?
1: Well, uh, you know, I mentioned the retail space, I threw out a, a few names there. There's one that we just recommended uh, in, in Mogul, and uh, it's called EPR Properties. Sure, probably listening. No one's ever looked at this uh, this company. It's the ticker is EPR. It's a REIT that's uh, speaking of Top Golf. It's focused on uh, experiential properties, so properties that are just providing great experiences. And oh, so think about your, interesting. yeah, think think about Top Golf or uh, ski resorts or things like that. Um, so a place where people go to have experiences. Uh, and this this one has been really well man- uh, managed for a long time. Uh, pays about a, over a 6% dividend yield right wow. now. And that just an idea of just how beaten up the real estate space can be, yeah. uh, because you don't really find dividend yields like that. But in this case, that dividend is fully covered by the company's cash flows. This is one that Matt Frankel, who I know is free, is a frequent guy on your My show. partner in crime here. There you go. Yeah. Um, he, he's been following this company. He's the one who recommended it for us. And by the way, he is uh, my partner in crime when it comes to REITs <laughs> yeah. uh, in million acres and mogul. So love Matt. He's he's really smart and he just brought this uh, this idea for us. So um I love the I love it. And you know, I'm I, I, I invest in all our own recommendations for my own personal portfolio. So I'm gonna be buying this one as well. But I think that's one this one and then the American Campus Communities uh, ACC that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's a good one. I if like you're that. looking at, you know, if you're looking in the public space, those are probably two of my favorite REITs right now. Eating
0: your own cooking. Maddie, I like that. That's, Always. A, that's a foolish fundamental, I'd say, huh?
1: <laughs> of course. All right, folks. Well, if you have any
0: interest in learning more about the real estate space, make sure to check out millionacres.com. You'll see a plethora of great content over there from our guy, Matt Frankel, from Maddie Argersinger, and from a number of other contributors over there. Uh, Matt, hey, listen, thanks for coming in this uh, this week don't be a stranger and all the best to you in 2020. Oh, thanks, Jason, you bet. Alright, as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Today's show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Matt Singer, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.